It's kind of funny. I was laughing. I've gotten used to coming up and doing the announcements or praying. And, uh, and you come up and you say a little bit and you get to go sit down. And uh, you guys are stuck with me a little bit longer uh, today. So it's kind of funny. I got a text from Pastor Mitch several months ago. and He was needing somebody to fill in one Sunday. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to do it that week. And I, I texted him back and I said, hey, I'm going to have to say no. But please ask me again. And I hit send, and I thought to myself, I was like, oh, man, you've done it now. <laughs> several weeks ago, at our, or months ago, actually, at our, at our elder meeting, Pastor Mitch, I'd really like to take July and rest. And we all said, man, go for it. That's awesome. And again, I sat there. I was like, there you go. You've done it again. We're going to need four Sundays at least to fill the pulpit. And I knew the text was coming. I got it, or actually emailed, and I said, hey, first one to reply. And it wasn't because I was so anxious. I think it was more so that I could get the last date to have more time to prepare. So, oh, man. Well, I say all that in jest because the truth is I really am excited to be here with you guys this morning. Um, I will not lie and say that I haven't had some nerves or gotten a little bit nervous uh, over the last week or so, especially pulling up this morning. Um, but the funny thing is, when, I, when I've gotten that way, I just remember where I'm at and who I'm talking to, because I am uh, really just talking and having a conversation with friends and family. And the truth is, over these last 12 years, Redeemer really has become part of Jenny and I's family. We are both so incredibly thankful for the relationships that we've formed uh, here at Redeemer. And that's what I want to talk about today, this idea and the value of Christian influence and Christian relationships in our lives. You see, my life has been greatly enhanced and eternally changed by wonderful Christian influences, and so much joy has been brought to my life through Christian relationships. And before I get started, I do want to just say one thing. I, I won't be delivering a message on any one particular verse uh, today, but there are a couple verses that as I go through, I really believe speak to the heart of what, what I want you guys to hear me say. Uh, and those verses are Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A three-fold cord is not easily broken. And the other verse is Romans 1, 8 through 12. This is Paul. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Because of your faith is being proclaimed throughout the world. For God, whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. Always in my prayers, requesting if perhaps now, at least by the will of God, I will succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established. And this is it right here. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So where are we going this morning? Well, what I would like to do is I'd like to share how the Lord has used wonderful influences and relationships in my life to help point me towards him. I'm going to point us to the Bible and look at a handful of passages that point to relationships and how God uses those relationships. And then I want to close with just a call of encouragement to Redeemer Community Church. My hope for this message today is very simple. I want to encourage us individually and as a church to pursue the life-giving relationships with other believers. And before we get started, I'd like to pray. 
Lord, again, what a blessing this church has been to my life and to the life of so many. And Lord, we're thankful for this fellowship. Um, Lord, as we speak this morning, I just pray that you'll, as Matt said last week, Lord, give me the words to say and the words not to say. And Lord, we just ask that uh, this time will be, will be beneficial. Lord, we thank you for your great love and we thank you, Lord, for relationships. In your name we pray, amen. Well, as I think back on my life, I really see two periods, I, I believe. And one is a period of influence and the other is this period of relationship. And for our time together this morning, I think I'll define those two terms as like this. So influence, this is going to be somebody, at least per my talk today, that maybe has a position or some sort of position of authority over you. So I'm thinking maybe a family member, a teacher, a coach, a ministry leader. And then the other is this period of relationship. And for relationship, I'm really talking about peers. Now, these can be people that might be older than you. They may, maybe probably are a lot more wise than you and all that good stuff, but they don't have an actual position uh, over you. And it's impossible, I think, to start a conversation about relationship without starting with your family. See, my family was always there. There wasn't a game, a meet, or an important event in my life that I didn't look up in the stands and have a contingent from my family around. My mom, my dad, my brother Josh, my Uncle Butch, they would always all find a way to be there. I can't tell you how many nights my mom <laughs> would load up the car with my brother and follow yellow school buses all across the great state of Mississippi. Um, I've been blessed with wonderful parents. My dad, he always taught us the value of hard work and what it means to provide for your family. And my mom was always there to listen. She always had our back. Um, my parents have been married now for over 40 years, and uh, they'll be the first to tell you that it wasn't always easy, but they showed us what it looks like to love each other and to love your family. Now, if I had to describe my family, I think the best way I could do that is to say that we're a football family. My dad was a former NFL player and coached college for, for almost 30 years, and my mom was the perfect coach's wife. And if any of you guys are out there in your coaches or um, if you've been involved in the coaching ranks, you know that it takes a very special and a very tough woman uh, to be a coach's wife. I laugh, and sorry, Mom, she's watching on uh, Facebook. But uh, there are a lot of things. My mom is just the sweetest lady in the world. But do not, do not cross Kate Payroll and one of her boys. She will, uh, she will stand up for her guys. And being a coach's kid, I grew up on the sidelines I grew up in the locker rooms, and I grew up on team buses. It was really just an awesome childhood, and there was no shortage of influences. Um, I was raised around so many figures who were just larger than life. There was a reason why I didn't grow up playing with uh, Marvel characters, Superman and Spider-Man, because <clears throat> I had all of those influences I need. A lot of my dad's coach's friends or even the players that he coached, and those names are names that I'll forever remember. Uh, men like Joe Raymond Peace, Coach Bill Johnson, Walter Pullen, players like Gene Johnson and Alan Apple and Willie Rofe and Glenn Hunt. There was also Dean Jackson. <clears throat> Dean Jackson was a receiver at Louisiana Tech, and as a young kid, I always looked up to Dean. I always thought he was a great player, and I always enjoyed watching him. You know, Dean would always walk off the field or in practice, and he had his wrist tape. And on his, on his, on his tape on his wrist, he always had a cross drawn. I always remember that. I don't know that it really hit me at the time. Then in junior high, we were in an FCA meeting, and Dean Jackson shows up. And he came in, and he shared his testimony with us, and he talked about 
how the Lord and what the Lord influences him through his life and through his playing. And there was also Coach Ed Jackson. Coach Ed Jackson was a coach of Louisiana Tech and still a coach there to this day. He's influenced countless thousands of men that have come through that program. But one trip we were going up to play, Louisiana Tech was going to play Arkansas State. We were staying at a Holiday Inn in Little Rock, Arkansas. And as a young kid, I had a lot of questions. I mean, lots of questions. And my poor parents and everybody else had a lot of questions to answer. And we were on this trip, and I just had these things going through my mind about life and faith and all kind of different stuff. I'm talking to my dad, and my dad went and got Coach Jackson. Coach Jackson was kind of the FCA huddle guy, coach, but also kind of chaplain. And he sat inside an indoor pool in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas at Holiday Inn and just talked to me about faith and answered as best he could all the questions I had. Those are two men that at a really young age had a profound influence on my life. And again, I didn't really notice it, realize it at the time. My family moved to Mississippi after my freshman year of high school, and it was there where I, meet, where I met two more men who would have a profound influence on my life as well. That was Coach Neville Barr and Coach Lonnie Schrader. Uh, Coach Barr was one of the most successful coaches in Mississippi high school football. You'd never know it. He was just the most humble man, a man of integrity, of character, and faith. And, you know, he taught us the game of football, but he also taught us how to live and to play with those same values. The other is Coach Lonnie Schrader. And uh, you had to understand what Coach Schrader had been through to really appreciate the presence that he was and the influence that he had on you. See, Coach Schrader in college was walking across the street, and he was hit by a drunk driver. And it threw him from the scene got rushed to the hospital, uh, clinging to life, but su suffered severe damage to his midsection, his stomach, and then lost both of his legs below the knee. Coach Schrader was the first one on the practice field and the last one off every day. He was the most encouraging man I've ever been around and the best coach I've ever had. And you know, it was, it, you could look at him sometimes and you could see it hot Mississippi day where it's burning up and it's sweating and there's coach Strader he's out on the field coaching his heart out he'd coach you hard and he loved you just as hard but you knew what kind of pain he was in and what it took for him to sometimes to be out there but he was out there and I'll always remember in those days just how how hard it was to slack off knowing what coach Strader was going through to be there with us got to go to church with coach Strader as well and it was there at church where you really got to see how important his faith was and what that looked like as it played out in his life. After high school, I had the opportunity to continue playing football at Texas A&M, and I showed up at campus with great dreams and realities, uh, I mean expectations and visions of what my future football career might look like. And uh, it didn't take very long due to injuries and whatnot to, uh, to realize that those dreams were never going to become reality. And you know, I had put my entire identity into this sport and one day I woke up and I was a football player and I went home that afternoon and I wasn't and I was absolutely lost and my life really started kind of unraveling and it was there at this point where phone calls from my grandmother became such a big piece of my life I would pick up the phone and she always answered and she would sit and she would listen and we'd finish every call the same way she was Joey I pray for you every morning and, uh, you know, you hear that today, and, and not to be cynical, but there's so many times I think that we, oh, yeah, man, I'll pray for you. You hear something, oh, yeah, and, and not to say that a lot of people aren't incredibly genuine, but I think sometimes maybe we throw that around ways we shouldn't. And uh, a few years ago, my grandmother passed away, 
And she had a little place in her, in her dining room where she would read. And uh, she had a table and had her birds and all the, all the coffee and all the good stuff. And as we, cleaned, as we went through her stuff and we're cleaning out different little places, we found countless note cards and pieces of paper with our names scribbled on them and different things that were going on in our life. When my grandmother said she was going to pray for you, she prayed for you. It was around the same time. Things weren't, weren't going good for me. And a friend of mine invited me to an FCA meeting up at, up at campus. And it was there where I met Bill Johnston. Uh, Bill Johnston was the FCA director for Texas A&M. And we'll go to the first meeting that night and walked up to me and handed me a pamphlet for the FCA college retreat. And he goes, hey, you're coming on this. And I said, okay. And uh, it was the first night of camp. The gentleman was speaking on John 14, 6. And it was that night I heard the gospel for the first time, and it made sense. And it was that night that I put my faith in Jesus. And I talk about Bill, and, and this is why. My sanctification process was not very quick, okay? There was still lots of rough edges, and I was figuring it all out. But Bill never, ever turned his back on me. He stuck with me. He kept me close to him, brought me on as an intern for almost a year there at FCA. And I promise you that was more for me than it was for him. And I'll always remember Bill Johnston for that. I hope as I've shared some of these names of influences that you guys are sitting there and starting to think about some people in your life that have influenced you. And I want to challenge you today when you go home to pick up the phone and call. I've done that here over the last two or three years as I've been kind of processing some of this stuff in my own life. And some of the most amazing conversations I've ever had have come through those phone calls. You know, for years I would share my story and I would stop right there. It was almost like, hey, you got saved and it was over. And the more I thought about it, I mean, really, that was leaving out the last 20 plus years of my life. And yet some of the most influential relationships that have shaped who I am today have happened during this last 20 years. After college, I moved to Houston and got plugged in at Houston's First Baptist Church, got involved in a men's accountability group, and it was there I met a guy named Cody Heath. Uh, Cody and I were fast friends, just became friends real quick, and uh, just a great guy to be around. But Cody and got married and ended up out of the singles program, and he and his wife moved to Beaumont. And Cody and I don't see each other physically very often, but we talk at least two or three, two or three times a month. And here's what I love about Cody. When I talk to Cody or when he calls me or I call him, there's nothing off limits. Um, we challenge each other. We encourage each other. We ask each other tough questions. He's a guy that asks you each week, hey, are you tithing, that kind of stuff. Just a wonderful friend and great encouragement. It was also around this time that I met somebody else who was incredibly influential in my life, and that was Jenny Hanks. I knew I was in trouble when I found myself hanging out at the museum and stuff on the weekends and going to concerts. Um, I, knew, I knew things were heading in a direction there. Um, I eventually convinced Jenny to marry me, and Liz is laughing. She didn't help a whole lot in that. We can talk about all of that later. But um, if you want to talk about a relationship that influences in you, well, Jenny's changed my life in every aspect for the better. The way she loves me, the way she loves our family, the way she loves the Lord. She really challenges me each day to be better. Jenny and I, like I said, got married. We moved out to Katy. She was working out here. And we started coming to Redeemer Community Church. And it was here that we got to know Mitch and Tara kind of right off the bat. We would go over there and hang out with them. We'd eat. We'd hang out with the girls a little bit. And they'd go put the girls down. They'd come back down and we'd watch American Idol together. Well... 
I'm not a big, huge American Idol fan. It kind of makes me cringe a little bit. I, I don't, Tara's not here, and so I feel bad sharing this with y'all, but Tara's a big closet Scotty McCreary fan, if anybody's <laughs> wondering. But the truth is, Mitch and Tara have been wonderful friends uh, to our family these last 12 years since we've known them. I mean, they, in every event that's happened, the good, the tough, all of that, Mitch and Tara have been there with us. It was also at Redeemer where we got involved with our first community group as a married couple. And this group was led by Matt and Lori Williamson and Ward and Berta Trulock. And if you want to talk about an A-team to lead a young married uh, community group, that was it. Matt Williamson, to this day, is still one of my favorite people. And I'm just blown away by his intentionality that he shows to me, but also I know to so many men here at Redeemer. He's so wise, always a great man to run things by. But both of those things are great. But one of the things that I really love about Matt, he's just really fun to talk to. He's just a really fun guy. The other in this group was Ward Trulock. And Ward was a wonderful example to me as a young husband of a man who loves his family. I was thinking about this as I was kind of putting this together. And, you know, if your wife and kids look at you the way that Mary and Berta look at Ward, you're doing something right. Also, too, just being at Redeemer, just the men's ministry and men's events that we had and men's Bible studies, the amount of men that I've come in contact with and gotten to know that have been such a huge encouragement to me. It's just, I can't even, I was trying to, I started writing some names down. And I finally just kind of gave up. It's like, well, first off, I'm going to be here all day. Secondly, I'm going to leave somebody off and get in trouble. Um, but there are wonderful, wonderful men here at Redeemer Community Church, wonderful fathers and wonderful friends, and just an incredible encouragement. It's also here at Redeemer, I met my good buddy, Justin Pfeiffer. Um, Justin is one passionate guy. The things Justin loves, he's super passionate about. He's passionate about the Lord. He's passionate about learning more about the Lord. He's passionate about his family. And he's also really passionate about some good barbecue. It's probably why he and I get along so good. But Justin really encourages me. He pushes me um, to maybe a bit of discomfort, to go deeper and to learn and knowledge. Um, It's also here where I met my, my good buddy, Andy Prather. And I'm not sure at my age you were supposed to be as lucky to find a good friend like him. Just strong and steady. He's solid. There's no scorekeeping with Andy Prather. You never have to wonder where you stand. I I really can't imagine um, not having Andy Prather as my friend. Now, each of these relationships involved investment, and they involved time, but they brought so much joy and encouragement to my life and the life of my family. And so here's what I hope you didn't just hear, okay? Um, that I'm standing up here in front of you trying to say that I've got relationships figured out, okay? That couldn't be any further from the truth. Any positive thing that's happened in a relationship for me is only by the grace of God. But here's what I hope you did here. The people who have influenced us in our lives so often are pointing us to Christ even when we don't see it at the time. And that these relationships we have with other believers are what help us joyfully persevere through the good times and the bad. So why do we seemingly seemingly long for relationship? And I think the answer to that is that we were designed for relationship with others. 
I think we see this early. I think we see it in the Trinity. Before time even existed, there existed, existed this perfect relationship between God, the Father, and the Holy between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I think we see it early in Genesis, in chapter two, verse eighteen. The Lord says, "It's not good that man should be alone. I'll make a helper for him. I really th- a helper fit for him." And I, I really think there could probably be a full sermon written for those last three words, "fit for him," because there was only one helper at that time fit for him, and it was another human. And it was Eve. We see wonderful examples of relationships in the Old Testament. Abraham and Lot, Ruth and Naomi. We see it with David and Jonathan. I think just a really beautiful verse in 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 3. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. But then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of his robe that was on him and gave it to David, his armor, his sword, his bow, and his belt. Awesome. I think we see all awesome examples of relationship in the life of Jesus. One of the first things that Jesus did when he started his earthly ministry was went out and called disciples. We see in Matthew 4, 18 through 22, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you to, the, to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Jesus didn't try to go at it alone. He didn't send his disciples out alone either. As we read through the scriptures and the gospels, we see that he didn't send them out one by one. He sent them out two by two. So why are relationships important? There's obviously a lot of reasons, and for time's sake, I'll give you a couple. Uh, I think one is we need others for support and for encouragement. In Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, we see in here in this verse, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I also think we need others for accountability. <clears throat> we see this in Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, probably on every men's ministry shirt that's ever been printed. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We see it in James five sixteen. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I think the truth is simple. We need each other. We were never meant to do this life alone. It's also true, though, that so often we don't pursue relationships. I think there are a lot of reasons why, and I'll give you a handful here. We're so busy. I don't have time to grab coffee or go grab lunch with this either an old friend or maybe a new person from church. I don't don't have time to invest in anybody else. I think also we're selfish, right? I've got plenty of friends. I I I I don't need another friend, somebody else to take out my time. I've got things to do. I think we have a fear of vulnerability. We're scared to let anybody else into our life so we keep everybody at arm's length. We're distracted. You see, we've... We've created a whole world for ourselves through social media. We can be connected to everybody in the world, but we're not in relationship with anybody. We hold on to past hurts. 
This keeps us from growing in relationship with others. We don't extend forgiveness for past hurts. And oftentimes we forget the forgiveness that's been extended through us to us through Christ. And I think lastly, relationships mean that we have to deal with people. And the truth of it is people are just hard, right? So what should we do, Redeemer? Well, I think individually we need to actively pursue relationships. I love the word pursue right here. Pursue is not a passive word. It's an active word. It's calling us to action. So we need to make time to invest in others. We need to make ourselves available to others. It's not always easy. It takes effort. And you might have to step out of your comfort zone. And when I say that, guys, I'm talking to us, you know, guy dates, right? Hey, I'm going to ask another guy to lunch or to go have coffee. It might feel uncomfortable, but I promise you, if you do it, they'll more than likely say yes, and you'll really have a good time. It takes effort, but it's so worth it. And what do we do as a church? I think we need to be a body that fosters and encourages these types of relationships. And if you really look at it, we have it all set up already. We have Sunday school classes and community groups and church events. We have opportunities to serve throughout our entire, through all of our ministries. I've heard Mitch say this a hundred times. Let's be a people that says, there you are, not here I am. So I asked this question, what would Redeemer Community Church look like if we all pursued these types of relationships? And I would ask that you take that and maybe go home and think on it today in the next several days. But at the same time, I'm going to answer it for you. See, because I've seen it. I've seen it in my own life and the life of so many others here at Redeemer. Jenny and I walked into Redeemer Community Church over 12 years ago, and we didn't know much anybody, maybe one or two couples. Over time, we got plugged in, Sunday school and community groups, and we got to know some people. We had people reach out to us. We reached out to others. We met many people through those same things I mentioned earlier, Sunday school, Bible study, community groups, and church events. Jenny and I were the only married couple at Redeemer for quite a while without kids. We were trying to start our own family. It wasn't going as quickly as we had hoped. And to be honest, there were a lot of days it was really hard. Mother's Day and Father's Day, baby, baby dedication Sunday, those were just really tough days. It was around that time Jenny and I went through probably the single hardest moment of our marriage. And during that time, it was Mitch and Tara and so many of you who came and sat and cried with us and comforted us. A bit later, we would have Claire, and then later we'd have Keaton. And the same people that cried with us sat and rejoiced and celebrated with us as we welcomed these two blessings to the world. I can't tell y'all the joy in my heart when I see those two run through the lobby of Redeemer Community Church. A few years later, Hurricane Harvey decided to visit us and drop 40 inches of rain in our house. And uh, we were out of town. The phone was blowing up. Aaron Doe and his family had walked from their house over to our house and were checking things out for us. Floodwaters came. Ryan Backey and Steve Brooks walked through some of the nastiest water you've ever seen or smelt in an effort to get to our house. Now, there's a story here. They didn't make it all the way. There was a mysterious bump under the water. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but they, they decided to turn around, and I don't blame them. Um, that next Monday, 
there's still feet of water in the streets. And we pulled up to our house. There were a dozen people from Redeemer Community Church before the day was over. In hot, nasty weather. Again, some of the nastiest mud and muck and water you could ever imagine. And they were helping us get our house ready to start to rebuild. Mitch hooked us up with a realtor. We found a rental house. And before the first night that we stayed there, less than, I don't know, eight, ten hours maybe, the house was fully furnished. It wasn't a thing we needed. And it wasn't from our stuff, I can promise you. One friend brought us a, uh, brought us a mattress. Other friends brought us furniture and kitchenware. Um, we had all that before we ever had to spend the night. One of my buddies walked up to me with cash. He handed me some cash. And he goes, hey, I, before you go home tonight, I want you to go and get Claire the, uh, the butterfly sheets and the pink comforter that she loved so much. He knew we had lost them in the flood. He didn't want her to go one night without it. Friends, those are my stories, just mine. But I've seen it in so many other stories here at Redeemer as well. I've watched here over the last five years with Mitch and Tara and their cancer and the, the church coming to support them and just loving on them and praying for them and bringing them food. I've seen it with Justin and Christina Pfeiffer. Years of fostering and hoping to adopt Fiona. And the the people at Redeemer continually praying for them and asking, hey, what can I do? What can we do to help you guys get her home? Saw it very early in our time here with the Harringtons. They were hoping to adopt Ellie. And they have... Our Redeemer comes together and they have a huge garage sale. The whole mill was full of things in an effort to raise money to help them bring Ellie home. Friends, Matt said this last week, and I think it's so true. It's not if, it's when. Hard times are going to come. I want you to know there's great encouragement to be had when you're in relationships that are founded on Christ. And I'll close with this. In the perfect garden, God knew that Adam needed someone else, so he created Eve. He was surrounded by absolute perfection, but God wanted Adam to be in relationship with another human. Look around us. This is not Eden. (laughs) I hate to break it to y'all. This isn't Eden. We live in a world where up is down and left is right. And we've relegated truth to however we feel when we wake up in the morning. I think we're coming off a period of time where we've probably been in relationship less than we've ever been. We've probably been more distracted and more divided than any time in our own lives. But if Adam needed Eve in the garden, surrounded by absolute perfection, how much more do we need each other in the fallen world that we live in? Redeemer, let's be a people that pursues relationships. Let's invest in each other, and let's do it all for the glory of God. Amen? Lord, thank you again for Redeemer Community Church. Lord, what an amazing group of people that you've brought together. Lord, help us as we leave here to pursue relationships, God. Help us to be called and drawn to others in our church that we can love, support, and encourage. And Lord, we thank you for your work and all of that. God, we know that it's not possible, but through you. Amen.